Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lafondra looking to get cold side of Fond. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Elm Park Rolls preview podcast brought to you, of course, by Phantom Bruco. Um, we're doing it a little bit differently this week. What with transfer deadline day and everything, we're bringing you two separate podcasts. Of course, this one, we're going to be looking into the view from the opposition this week. And that is, of course, Oxford United. First time we've played Oxford in nearly 20 years, nearly 24 years in the league, though the last two times we played them uh, at their place was at the Manor Ground and in the League Cup. To look at Oxford, we have got a special guest. We have got Jack Ward on from the Jack Ward Football Podcast. How are you doing, mate? Yes, good, mate. Yeah, it's, it's hectic, isn't it, deadline day? I feel as though I'm having a breather from football off the pitch and now being able to look at football on the pitch. So it's it, you know it's, it's a nice respite from scrolling endlessly through Twitter, I think. That's the best way of describing it. <laughs> that just is what deadline day seemingly is yes. now that and whacking on the sky sports news channel and um w- watching their, their deadline day counter clock i think reading fans have been staring at that clock just wanting it to come seemingly ever quicker um what with our rogue ceo who's seemingly offering everyone else at penny prices um but um but yeah how's deadline day been been for you guys though jack actually on the on the top yes yeah better than last year's january was very very painful we had a very bad January last time um, and we were in a very different position this time we're recruiting hopefully to continue a good first half of the season on the whole we're also recruiting another another transfer window in one season with a new manager which wasn't ideally the plan but it seems as though that is all working okay at the moment we've signed Owen Dale earlier today from Blackpool uh, we've already got Will Goodwin in during the window Tyler Bury, Jamie Cumming to replace James Beadle um Hoping to get one done before the end of the window. We're recording this at just past seven. So we've got a few more hours left of it. I think we're looking at a striker. And I think because of this being done on Thursday, we definitely believe um, Owen Dale will be in the squad for Reading. And if we can get that striker over the line in the next couple of hours, hopefully he will be too. So, yeah, it's been it's been busy, but much more encouraging from compared to last year for sure. Striker's probably one thing you've lacked this year, I think, for for Oxford. Certainly, I remember when when we were looking at Oxford prior to the to to um, when you came over to to the Medeski. I think yeah. your top scorer. I can't remember who who what his name was, but it was one of your probably, left backs. Probably, yeah, Greg Lee. Yeah, and yeah. he wasn't actually available for that game, which is quite interesting. So he didn't play in the last game against Reading. He's back now. Uh, Mark Harris. Funnily enough, you mentioned that he was our striker that we kept playing because we didn't really have anybody else and. 
He started the season well, then went on about a 10-15 game run without scoring a goal. And you look at the, the striker position, you look at the goals in that area, and they were very, very weak. Now, hopefully with Mark Harris, the goals are going to carry on coming because they have improved over the last couple of games. Uh, Will Goodwin's come from Cheltenham. He can't play because he's, he's came with a quad injury, so he's not going to be available for, for a week or so. And if we do get that striker in that we're looking for on loan, looks to be potentially Harry Leonard, uh, Harry Leonard, I believe his name is, or Leonard from, from Blackburn. That looks to be the name mentioned. So like you say there, we are sort of looking for a striker. We've gone from having maybe one striker that we play who hasn't scored a goal because of a lack of options. We could end the window with three, which is really interesting. So yeah, I think you're, I think, I think you're right. And actually in the game against Reading in the reverse fixture, we were crying out for somebody up front who could maybe take the game by the scruff of the net because funny enough, it was our left back in that game that scored but not our top goal scorer one yes remember remember that well um so uh actually before we dive back d- dive back to that to that first game obviously when we previously played you i think it was buckingham's third game it was either third or fourth yeah game very game early it would have been and had yeah Yes. Yeah. And at that point, he hadn't actually, I don't think he, he'd got to win. I don't think he'd scored a goal yet in the league as well, because I think your first goal came at our place, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, since then, I guess it's been patchy. I guess with, with the way that Oxford started this year, and losing Liam Manning, it was always going to be a tough job coming in and kind of kicking on from there or just maintaining that start to the season that you guys had under Manning. What What's it? What's it been like? The transition, kind of. I don't like using that that phrase, transition, but I guess it is kind of at the moment with, with Oxford. What's it been like that transition period with Des Buckingham? I think I think you're fine to use the word transition because it has been, and also because it was quite a unique one. Because not many times in football a manager comes in when a team is performing extremely well. You know, how many times a manager come in to a side they're struggling and they can sort of galvanise. We hear the word galvanise. Ultimately, this group didn't really need galvanising, maybe to an extent where they were a little bit gutted that Liam Manning had gone and the manner that Liam Manning had gone. But in terms of galvanising a group that were performing, that was exactly what was needed but not really needed from Des Buckingham when he walked through the door. That was a, a really quite unique situation for a manager to walk into. So straight away, it was about, like you're saying, continuing the performances that we'd that we'd seen continuing the the results that have been performing on the pitch and you know keeping a very very healthy league position obviously if you look at the league position when he came into where we are now things have got worse we can't move away from that we have haven't really improved i think we've been affected by injuries a lot like a lot of teams have that is not an excuse it's just a, maybe a, a reason why things have been a bit more difficult greg lee who you mentioned earlier is, has been an instrumental part of the team. Des Buckingham's only played two games with him and he's been in charge now for what, five, well, four or five weeks. Um, there's been players, like, you know, we've signed players that have been injured. Maybe that's more of our fault um, and, and, and less of the, the player, but it's more having an option and a selection option for Des Buckingham. I think that might have been a hindrance. I think working out exactly what style he wants to play, but more the, the formation and if he, has he got the players right now to sort of have that alignment together. I think there's still just a, a little bit of feeling out. I think we're feeling out exactly what's going to, what's going to happen. I think there's a little bit of a, a time to adjust to him coming in with no assistant manager because Liam Manning took his, his assistant with him and the analyst, analyst. So we had to getting you getting you one of those which is happening i think he's at the arsenal women's team at the moment so we're sort of waiting for him to finish his 
uh, time there and then we're going to pick him up soon but he is he is employed uh, by Oxford and scheduled to, to start very very shortly but in terms of an assistant manager we've actually promoted from within so it's about sort of for him personally working out exactly what his his role looks like and and feeling that out and then as fans and as, as more of the, the football that we see week in week out it's, it's, it's ultimately about staying patient you've got to be patient uh, and understanding that with time, this is something that, that should work out because you look at his CV, you look at his pedigree, he's done some wonderful things across the world, but never in England. So we're just waiting for that to click, I think. Yeah, no, and and kind of when, when he when he joined you guys, obviously I remember when, previously we spoke with um, uh, George Ellicott, not top 20 um, on the yeah. on the previous uh, uh, preview. <clears throat> we kind of talked about it being a bit of a, well, outside of Oxford, a name that not many people would have known and kind of maybe left field. What was the feeling really from from, from your side in, in that appointment? Are you confident of kind of him, him moving forwards, would you say? Yes, I am. I think it comes down to, like I said, their patience and believing that his CV and pedigree and what he's achieved will eventually come good. And he's not a, we haven't, there is a connection there. There is a pre-existing connection. He was a coach at Oxford before. So a long, long time ago, he was under Chris Wilder when we were uh, <laughs> 10 years ago, I think. So we're, we're talking a long time ago. There is a pre-existing connection there. I know the, the the board and the the football club did say it, and it's hard to believe, but I do believe them. He wasn't employed just because of that pre-existing connection, because ultimately, like I said on my podcast the other day, when there was a few question marks early on, the City Group didn't employ him because he was an Oxford boy. The City Group didn't employ him because he was a coach at Oxford United. They employed him because they see him as one of the most exciting young upcoming coaches. He's worked at Mumbai, Melbourne City, New Zealand, and we know how strong the City Group coaching unit is. There's some wonderful coaches that have come out of that. And one was Liam Manning, who we had before. So, you know, we trusted that it is, and we still do trust it. It's going to come good with Liam Manning. We, we Yes, he was part of the City Group, but he'd had time at MK Dons before. So we understood the division, he understood the the, the the culture in England, even though he is English, but he understood the culture of, of managing in the English Football League. So, yeah, it's about understanding that, yes, maybe we're not performing to that extent that we were in the start of the season. I think George said it in your podcast before, we were probably over overperforming in certain metrics, which I think is a good, good thing. But then when it sort of dries up, you can maybe see a few gaps here and there. But ultimately, we've got a good squad. We've got a good squad. We've got a good coach and we've got a, a clear direction, which is important. And the recruitment so far has been pretty good as well in January under a new manager. So, yeah, we're we're sort of... I think he's still working out what's going on. We're still working out what's going on. The players are sort of similar. And hopefully that sort of triangle is going to come together. And then we can sort of continue on this on this train, hopefully, to promotion, which is not necessarily the expectation this season, because last season we only just stayed up in League One. But it's about making sure we've got those building blocks in place to make sure that going forward, that's definitely a possibility. No, that's... Brilliant insight on that side. And um, jumping back then to to his to his third third league game coming coming to Reading. Were you at that game, Jack? At the Medeski? I was. I was at that game. Yeah, yeah I was. Yeah. What what do what did that day kind of mean to you as a fan and the rivalry as a whole? Because seemingly, if you ask Reading fans, different fans will give you different opinions on the Reading Oxford rivalry. Might be the same on the Oxford side of the fence as well. What 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 was that day like for you? It's it's difficult. Um, because I am, 
I'm I'm a fan that like I'm, I'm an Oxford fan because of my family. So I'm an Oxford fan because my dad supported them and, and both my granddad supported them. So the rivalry and the knowing that Reading is a big game for Oxford has come from them. It's come from a generational thing. Mm-hmm. For me personally, it's not something. And you said at the start of the show, it's 20 years since we we, we played at Oxford, and I wasn't an Oxford fan when we were at the Manor. I was too young for that, so I, I never actually went to the Manor. My first game was at the Kassam. Um, so I, I don't really know anything other than that. I'm still still only 19, so that wouldn't have been the case. We wouldn't have played when I was born, which is a frightening thought for some people and and, and maybe a little bit for me too. So I, in terms of that, the historical the rivalry there, that's something that I haven't experienced. So given my insight on that wouldn't be fair. In, in terms of what it means to me now, um, again, it, it's, it's, it's as simple and basic as my family know that this is an important game and has been an important game. Um, and I've heard the stories around um, the owner that tried to merge the two teams and that's where it all started again. But in, until you're living in that in that moment, living during that time it's quite difficult to grasp it you know, a rivalry that you know in, in five years time that isn't existing now again you've got to look back on that very very differently and fans at that time will look back at this one very very differently and football's evolving and changing with different generations within it so i think for me it's strange i think that i know there's a rivalry it is a big game for oxford we'll be up for it so will you be but Again, I think maybe the fans of my age that think they know it as much as they probably do, maybe are reading into maybe the older generation too much, which is which is fine. But I, I think from my perspective, it's it's knowing through generations that this is a big game. Um, and, you know, you'll be the same as me. Most importantly for you and most importantly for us, it's winning the game of football because of what it means on the table. You know, if it's a case of we want to win because of where we are right now, you want to win because you want to get out of the bottom four. So that is... That's probably where my slightly boring but football answer comes from. No, no, I get it, I get it. Because the to be to be honest, the the game that we played at our place, that's the first time I'd seen I'd seen Reading and Oxford play. Um, it was like earlier in the season we played um, uh, the Slugs down the road um, as well. We played them, and uh, that's the first uh, yeah, time we I'd can seen us we play agree them. on that. You know, there's, Which, there's something yeah. that we, can <laughs> we we can bond over our mutual hatred of the Slugs. You know, yeah, that's, exactly. That, that's fine. Um, but 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 yeah, it, it's 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 an odd one because, like you say, for, for for me as well, it's a generational thing because I'm I mean I'm 26 and that was my first time I'd ever right. seen seen a Reading Oxford game I'd never I wasn't at, at the Manor ground again I was too young to see those games I was nearly still probably just out of a pram when, when we were last playing you know you guys in the league so it's um it's it, it means different things for different people the one thing that starts brewing and kind of building these things though is games because you need some some spiky moments and stuff in in rivalries and that I think for, for them to really kind of kick on from there um Let's look at your recent run, really, because I think there's one thing that might give Reading fans a bit of bit of hope around Oxford lately. We've talked, obviously, around the bedding in period, really, for, for Des Buckingham. Um, Oxford on a run of three winless at the moment, obviously lost at Barnsley, lost at Bristol Rovers. Got a good draw, though, against Portsmouth in the week. That was probably the one that Reading fans probably didn't want you to get to give you a bit of a bounce, obviously, off the back of that game reason for optimism going into the Reading game off the back of that Portsmouth Portsmouth game or is it just like you say earlier the inconsistencies I think there will be encouragement we needed that we needed something from that game I think that was something that we, we said going into it it's going to be extremely difficult but we need to see a performance and I thought as much as it wasn't the most dominating game of football we played on the transition we played on the counter-attack and against a side like Pompey that's probably what you've got to do a lot of the time they're going to have a lot of the ball that's the way that Messina wants his side to play and we sort of played on the break both of our goals came from counter-attacks and we I thought defended well if you, if you saw the goal the, the first one was extremely it was a scramble it was a horrible goal to concede um 
And the second one was a great goal from Callum Lang. So he couldn't do too much about it. You look at the goals in isolation, they were quite stupid to give away from an individual perspective and from a team perspective. But the goals we did score, I thought we, we did all right in that game. You mentioned Barnsley. I thought that was a really bad game off football. I don't think Barnsley were great. It was fifth versus sixth going into it. It, it didn't feel like that. It felt like 20th versus 21st in the National League. It was an awful game of football. It was really, really bad conditions. The rain was pouring down the wind. It was a Tuesday cold. It was like, it was a, it was a horrible game to watch. I was there and I wish I wasn't, I'll be honest. And that <laughs> wasn't just the result. It was a game where Barnsley took their chance. We missed a few, but the, the rhythm and the, the actual momentum of the game couldn't be grasped because of the situation that the, the game and the, the weather was in ultimately. And then the game against Bristol Rovers, I mentioned it briefly. First half was terrible. Second half, we grew into it, but it was too, too hard of a mountain to climb. We'd, we'd already sort of thrown it away with that first half performance. And you looked longer than that. We, we had back-to-back away wins, Charlton and Carlisle. I thought there were some pretty good performances in there. Again, quite patchy. We saw here and there what we're about, but over a, a 90 minutes yet. Other than Burton, we haven't really seen that. We've got away with it because Charlton and Carlisle are in terrible forms. So we've been able to be patchy and come away with results. Against Barnes, you can't quite do that. It seems at Bristol Rovers, we couldn't do that. And against Pompey, I thought that was the last time where we've seen a, a real fight in spirit. We went one up in that game. We then conceded two, but we scored again. And that was the character that we were missing. I think if we'd lost that game 2-1, there would have been that feeling again of, has this team got that that real grit because at Derby, we went 2-0 up and lost that game 3-2. There was a, a feel of, have we got that spirit within the group to come back against the top opposition? And against Pompey, we did show that. And we've signed players since then. Hopefully, we'll get a few more players back uh, every single week for injury because they're sort of on scheduled timelines to return. Josh Murphy could be available. Hopefully, we're going to get two players that we haven't seen yet. You know, and Dale and one before the window shuts today available for Reading as well. That strengthens our bench because our bench has been weak in those games. I said that is another issue for Des Buckingham. He hasn't been able to impact games off the bench because our, our injury record has been terrible since he's come through the door. So like you say, the, the recent form isn't great on the eye and it hasn't been great at all times, you know, full stop really. But against, you know, on Tuesday against Portsmouth, we did improve and you could see that there was a clear plan in place and that was executed effectively. And hopefully we can sort of take that performance, but also the spirit into the game. Because in a derby, you're going to need that spirit. You're going to need that fighting edge and that ultimately the, the mentality that you're going to provide is going to be reflected on the performance a lot of the time in these type of games. Form gets thrown out the window in games like that. Absolutely. Sorry to use a football Absolutely. cliche like that, but um, but yeah, I think it's uh, well. Hopefully, that won't be won't be the case uh, in in uh, in Reading's case. But obviously, I'm sure Oxford fans will be wanting wanting it definitely to be the case. Um, a few players we touched upon in the previous game leading up, obviously, have been massive in your um, early season form um, and kind of I guess recently for you guys because they both played pretty well recently for you, Cameron Bannigan and. Um, uh, Ruben Rodriguez, two fantastic yeah. footballers that I think, I, you know, I'm not going to say many. Probably everyone wants to have in their team this season with how well that, that they've kind of performed. Have there been any other standouts really apart from apart from those two of late for you guys, or are those who really the the, the core still? I say Brannigan has continued that that great form. I think Rodriguez, we changed the system slightly and we sort of played him away from that number ten, and he hasn't been that effective. He came back into that number 10 position against Pompey and we saw him get on the ball more and, and trying to create. So with luck, and I think we will stay with, with that formation and that setup in that more effective position. He will be just as good. Brannigan is, is a player that you could play him anywhere and you feel as though he's going to be a, be a top class addition to a side. I think Tyler Goodrum, someone to always watch out for. Tyler's been great this season, signed a new contract. 
in the middle of it. And before and after that point, he's been great. Scored another goal against Pompey on Tuesday. He is a really, really good player. He's technical. He's somebody that drifts inside, likes to shoot, but also can create. He's turned up some big goals in big moments this season. So I'd say I'd say Tyler Goodrum definitely a shout. And yeah, hopefully there'll be some new faces that can also we haven't we don't know yet that can sort of step up and, and add to that list. Elliot Moore at the back's been good. Um, we might have Simon Eastwood back in goal because Jamie Cumming, our goalkeeper, had an injury. We don't quite know the series of that, so we we might have a different goalkeeper in for the game. But yeah, I, I'd say other than Ruben and Brannigan, you've got Greg Lee returning, which is massive. Tyler Goodrum's been fantastic as well. Yeah. No, that's 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 fair enough on that side. So let's let's look to wrap wrap this up right now and look at look at the game at the weekend. Um presume you're gonna be there in the home end. Yes, I should be. That yeah. that's the plan. Yes. I don't actually live in Oxford, so in terms of going back for it, um I'll 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 hopefully be there. That is the plan. I was there for the away game, so so I What's... should be there for the home one. What's your score prediction for the game? It's probably a bit pointless asking for a score prediction because I don't think neither of us are going to go for a loss for our team here. But No, I think my prediction would have been a little bit different if we hadn't got that result against Portsmouth. I, I still think, and again, Reading, I think your your position in the league is slightly deceiving. I don't, I don't think you are as bad as your league position is showing. I think if you didn't have a deduction, you could tell me specifically, but I don't believe you'd be in the bottom four. So we're looking at a, we're looking at a team that are... You know, have still got good players, and, and you know you've, you've sold a few um, out of your control, which hasn't helped, um, and wouldn't, wouldn't help any team. And I think to be fair to Sellers, I think he's got a team still playing and still getting results against any circumstances. You look at just by reading externally what's going on at your football club to be able to get results and get any type of performance out of a group of players that, let's be honest, are being treated badly from top to bottom. It's not very easy, and, and to be to be honest, you, you've collectively come together and, and still picked up some really, really important points. Having said that, I think Oxford uh, are going to win the game at home. I don't think it's going to be comfortable. I really don't. I don't think any of these games will be comfortable. I don't think you can look at league position and recent performances. It comes down to who wants it more on the day. I'm going to say 2-1 to Oxford. I think you will score because we are very, very clumsy at giving away cheap goals and we will do that and we'll make the game more difficult even if we're in control of it but I still think as they will just about get over the line. I'm going to say 2-1 to Oxford. 2-1. I might end up being boring here and say 2-1 to Reading as well. 2-1's a very easy score line to predict when you want to predict yeah. a win for your team. It is, yeah. The other team score, but you win sort of. <laughs> yeah, It's close. Exactly. The other team yeah. score, still, you know, it, it, it feels feels right for everybody involved. <laughs> but no. Um, do, you, do you think you're going to keep up your form this year? Do you think playoffs, playoffs, you're going to get playoffs this year? Do you think it'd be a disappointment not to get playoffs? I think it will be disappointing to not get playoffs. I've said this a few mm. times. I think it's because of the start of the season that we've had. We don't want to waste that start of the season. So if we don't do it, you feel as though we were great and then we still didn't quite do it. And this season, if we're being totally honest, isn't as competitive as it has been in, in recent years. I think it's a, not an easier league, but it's definitely more open. You know, we saw in League One last season, I know you weren't part of it, but, you know, Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth, there was about a 20-point gap from, from first to that fourth. So it was, it was a massive, massive gap this year. It feels very much open if we win... I think if Pompey don't win their games in hand or, or I think it's more Bolton don't win their games in hand, they stay where they are. But if they win, then they get nine points on top spot. So it's ridiculous how open it is. And with a lot of games left, there is very, very small points between teams. So 
yeah, I think it will be disappointing purely because of where we've started in terms of going into it. Look, like I say, we started this season with expectations that our recruitment was better than previous years, but we'd only stayed up by two points the year before. So we didn't expect to be in sixth. But when the season starts, you start playing well and there's a bit of dip. You start going, oh, maybe if we, we surely we can't waste a good a good opening sort of three, four months. Changing manager hasn't helped us if we're being honest, but we've, <laughs> we've, uh, we, we're still in a place where we, we feel as though we can, you know, end the season in a really good spot uh, well best of luck obviously for for the rest of the season i know some fans might not like me saying that but i say it to everybody so i'm not going to change that today best of luck obviously for, for the rest of the season jack and um, thank you for joining us um as well on this edition of the elm park rules preview podcast um you have a special podcast from uh paul and james to listen out to james obviously from from the reading chronicle and paul voice of epr so keep an ear out for that when it comes out it'll be kind of a deadline day special also looking at the oxford game from a reading perspective so keep an eye on socials for that um if you have of course enjoyed the podcast be sure to give it a five star rating on your podcast of choice really does help us out and everything on all the things on that side of things ratings rankings all that jazz so yeah please do remember to do that and follow all of our social on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram um, to keep up to date with the latest Reading FC content. Until the next time, obviously, I've been your podcast host, Matt Lansley. This has been the Elm Park Rules preview podcast, and we'll catch you on the next one.